Hello and welcome to Basketball with Glasses, a show by and for college basketball nerds. I'm your host, Bryson Harvey, and joining me, as always, Luke Smith. Hey, Luke. Hey, Bryson. How's it going? You know, just trying to endure another West Virginia game and fingers crossed that they don't blow it like they have every other game this season. So, yeah. <sighs> well, you know, I think just thinking. So I've, I've tried really hard to um, to not say that I thought Arkansas was going to beat Auburn tonight. Just because I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, reverse jinx it or jinx it or whatever. But I think just the thought now, I think just my thoughts are uh, are jinxing these things. Yeah, my pants, so. I, I think that's just uh, we've we've clearly established on this podcast that we are we are here to provide the the jinx and the curse for any team that you wish. We'll just you know predict them to win the game, mm-hmm. and they will definitely lose. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. The uh, Auburn game will probably close at some point during this this uh, podcast, so yeah, we'll know whether win. whether that happened. Um, hopefully soon. But anyway, we've got a lot going on. We're are you know heading into the meat of conference schedules. We've made it through the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. We've really started to hit the stride of trying to figure out where these teams need to go, where they need to be seated. And so I thought it would be a good time to take a look at the um, different models that are out there for ranking teams. You know, we talk very frequently about Ken Palm. Mm -hmm. uh, And Ken Pomeroy uh, is an excellent analyst, numbers guy. And he has, he even told the, NCAA, when they were looking for a new metric, when they were throwing out the RPI, you know, we probably need to not use the Ken Palm numbers um, Mm. to the committee because they are more of what will happen, what they the numbers believe will happen in the future, not what they've achieved on the season, which is not necessarily what the NCAA is looking for. You know, we're always comparing resumes we aren't comparing, well, who should win it, the tournament. Yeah, um, right. Ken Palm is more just like on a per possession, not even counting wins and losses, really. It's just right. a per, per possession predictive. It, it does not take into account who you beat necessarily. Absolutely. So, but there are metrics out there, including strength of record, which is something that I know football uses a lot when they talk about, you know, the four-team playoff. Um, but it also um, is a metric that happens in um, the basketball scene as well. Um, and I think anyone can go in on ESPN and view under the resume tab when you're looking at BPI and see a, a listing of the strength of records. So we're going to go through that. And basically... Have you seen- have you seen where John Gassaway wish he wants to do away with the selection committee and just have strength of record uh, field the team, field the field the uh, bracket? Mm. So that would be interesting. Um, I did not see that, but I, I think it, it it brings up some feelings. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, um, we do probably, you know. I know that we know what this stuff is, but for our audience that may not, uh, I just wanted to go through a quick rundown of what some of these numbers are. You know, Ken Palm is Sounds really, good. yeah, is really looking at an adjusted efficiency margin, um, and that's sort of how they uh, he accumulates the ranking. So basically, per 100 possessions, how many points do you score, and how many points do you give up? And they adjust that based on how good the opponent was that you played. So mm-hmm. they kind of throw that into a big formula, and that's how they figure out Ken Palm. And generally, yeah. if you're more efficient, um, you know, you will repeat that efficiency more times than not. And so the idea yeah. would be, you know, if you have a higher efficiency, it's more likely you're going to do better in the future. It's not based on, while it is based on some of the results, it's not in wholly based on how you've done in the past Mm -hmm. yeah and it being per possession it it 
evens the playing field between teams who play slow and teams who play fast. Uh, so, you know, like back before the, uh, it, I guess it's tempo free, right? Is kind of right. the way it's. So a team that played fast and might score 100 points a game, people would see that and be like, oh, well, that, that team's definitely better than like a 2019 Virginia or something that scores like 70 a game when in fact they Virginia might have been more efficient meaning they scored more points per possession. So that's what Ken Palm is all about. Yes, yes. And he has a great article on his site that just absolutely lays out exactly what we're talking about just in terms of the methodology and if you are a math nerd and like Pythagorean formulas and additive models, it's it's definitely for you. Um, and it's why you listen to this podcast. Um, now, on the strength of record side, um, there are some great options um, and definitions out there, but ESPNs is probably the most succinct in that it describes it as uh, a ranking among all Division I teams, and it reflects the chance a typical 25th ranked team would have... Uh, team's record or better given the schedule on a zero to 100 scale where 100 is the best or the hardest schedule um so it really is looking at okay if i'm the 25th best team which uh according to um ken palm right now is loyola chicago so if i'm loyola chicago and i'm playing auburn's schedule how what is the likelihood that I or that Loyola Chicago would have of being 22 and one, you know, or is that harder, you know, and that's sort of how they rank that. Um, so it is kind of a comparative thing. Um, it's definitely team based and it's also very much based on how you have performed as a team. Um, so with all of that being said, um, let's go ahead and dive into some of these numbers. Um, we've got, I'm just going to go through, we generally, we like to look at the top eight because those would be your one and two seed teams. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of limits our conversation. So in strength of record currently, Auburn is a one seed. Kansas is a one seed. Providence is a one seed and Purdue is a one seed thoughts yeah there's definitely one team that you would be pretty surprised to see there um providence being that team (laughs) yes Um, which is it's interesting because you know i feel like 15 years ago having a team that was 20 and 2 in a major conference people would everybody would be like oh yeah providence they're awesome they'd they'd probably be like a top five team but um, now that we're, you know, the college basketball community is more aware of places like Ken Palm, I, I think it kind of evens it out. Um, it's kind of hard to discount completely a team that's only lost twice, but at the same time, you look and see how much they've been winning by and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know that I would, you know, say they're a one seed, right? Right. And I think. I, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to, you know, look through some of their numbers and see, um, you know, w- what kind of makes them tick and what makes them different. Um, but just from a resume standpoint, we'll get to the more in-depth Providence talk. But just in looking at it, um, according to even, let's go look at Ken Palm, their strength of schedule Providence's strength of schedule is 50th, um, mm-hmm. which is is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely not, you know, a bottom barrel kind of uh, strength of schedule. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, for comparison's sake, for those who listen, Kentucky's strength of schedule is 47th. So, I mean, they're roughly playing pretty, the schedule. Pretty much the same schedule, yes. basically. Um, you know, and you wouldn't maybe necessarily think that. Um, considering it, you know, Kentucky's in the SEC, they've played Auburn, they've played, um, you know, uh, Duke, they've played Kansas. Um, so, you know, it's like, well, they've played some higher tier teams. 
I think the reason why Providence is sort of in that same ballpark is because they've played Wisconsin, they've played Connecticut, they've played mm-hmm. Seton Hall, they've played Marquette twice. The, um, so they, they've just they've had more games against top 50, top 75 teams, even top right. 100 teams. They play mm-hmm. Texas Tech. So, you know, they haven't actually played any top 10 teams besides Texas Tech in Ken Palm. Um, but, you know, th- so they, they do have a schedule. We'll go more into them. The other name I thought that was interesting on this list is Kansas at two um, mm. because they have four losses. So, you know, when you're looking at strength of record, it is looking like what is the likelihood that another team would have that their strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm and ESPN, is second. So they have had the second hardest schedule. Um, Kansas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's true. Ken Palm um, seems to really, really love the Big 12. It does. And um, it's probably because all of their teams are good. They at don't least have, like, decent. Cell- cellar dwellers. So, right. You know. West Virginia is the cellar dweller currently. <laughs> and they're they a pretty 60- good team, though, still. And they're 61st in Kim Palm. So, yeah. um, you know, that that's just kind of where it is right now. Um, but they've played, obviously, Kentucky. They've played Baylor. They've played Texas. They've played and lost. <laughs> they played Texas mm-hmm. Tech. They played Iowa State when Iowa State was still, you know, respectable. Because um, Iowa State is even still clinging to a 29th ranking in Ken Palm based on efficiency. Uh, Michigan State early in the season. So, you know, they definitely have played a pretty good schedule um, with some elite top 10 teams. Because I think that's sort of where, you know, Ken Palm, when they, when they you know, if you ever look at any of the team pages and you have a subscription which is worth it um you know they they have like this rating system of is it an a game is it a b game mm-hmm. i almost think there needs to be uh a, like an a plus game rating where you played a top you know um five team like at top, home yeah, or a yeah. top 10 team on the road uh because i just think that there is something different about playing an elite elite team um yeah. and i i don't know i just think that that's something that could be taken more into account when you're looking at um, how these teams are, are, are doing and what kind of schedule they're facing and, and maybe weight it a little bit towards, yeah. you know, these elite teams matter. Yeah, I could see that because winning at Kansas <laughs> and winning, you know, I'm looking at Kentucky's schedule. They have a lot of those A games. Winning at Kansas was A and winning at Texas A&M was an A on the A B scale. But he only shows A's and B's on people's schedules. Right. So I mean those are very, very different things. And as far as like weight or quality of win, they would be counted as the same. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that there should be some type of other some type of differentiating games like that. Because Kansas is a top ten Ken Palm team. Yeah. And Texas Tech is probably in the 60s 70s 72nd yeah. yeah you know and even beating that team beating both of those teams on the road shouldn't count it really shouldn't count uh the same right um, I, um, for anything ken palm or strength of record or whatever yes so i think those strength of record numbers are, are interesting um at the top uh and to go through the other two seeds um you know we're looking at arizona as the fifth best team um, Wisconsin <laughs> as the another two seed, Kentucky as the seventh overall and a two seed, and mm-hmm. Baylor is eight, eighth and the final two seed. Um, I think that's an interesting grouping, and I, particularly the order in which they fall. It's interesting that Gonzaga's ninth. <laughs> Which, if you have if you have a uh, stat that says that has record in the title, and Gonzaga is just going to suffer anyway. And something else that's interesting is Houston is twelve. Both of those teams are pretty much universally considered the best of the quote unquote mid majors, mm-hmm. and the fact that they are this low in this ranking um, 
shows you the weakness of the conferences that they play in. Right. So um, it makes you kind of want to play a little bit of the, you know, who's got the best, best wins, worst losses. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd play a little game here uh, where we are. I'm going to give you some blind resumes of best wins and worst loss. Um, You're probably going to be able to figure out who's which team because we're looking at some different uh, numbers. But I just wanted to kind of just illustrate some of this. So, for example, um, the best win for this team is Villanova. Their worst loss is Rutgers. Ah. Um, so oh, that's, that, I know who that is. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Um, or would you rather have this team's best win and worst loss? Um, and I'm trying to pull up their schedule real quick. Um, you can tell we we're doing this on the fly. So mm-hmm. um, their best win is against Houston. Their worst loss is against Providence. Who has the better resume? Just based off of those two things. Oh, I would say the second one. I'd say Providence is a better loss than Rutgers. Way better. Um, you're looking at 90th ranked Rutgers versus mm-hmm. 42nd ranked Providence. Um, and while, you know, the best win being Villanova, they're really only ranked ninth in Ken Palm. Houston, Houston and Villanova are pretty comparable, I would think, as far as quality yeah. wins. Yeah, they're within the top 10 each. So, yeah. you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, of course, I am talking about <laughs> Purdue and Wisconsin, with Wisconsin being that second team. Uh, and yet Purdue, in strength of record, is ranked higher. <laughs> Interesting. So... I, I think, you know, that's where, because when we always get to the end of March and we're looking to pick teams, it's, it's you know, who's your best win? Who are your best losses as, mm-hmm. as a factor in the committee's thinking? Um, I just find it very interesting that that's sort of how that falls, falls out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you would think, like I already think Wisconsin's too high, but <laughs> right. after that, after that, it seems like well maybe they should be over Purdue, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and because yeah, I I would say out of the two seeds, Wisconsin's the one that doesn't belong. Baylor, Kentucky, Arizona—they've all been sort of top teams. They have the well, talent. Yeah, and the silly th- and the crazy thing is, is Illinois is sixteenth, and Illinois is winning the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. They're up by a game in the Big Ten over Purdue and Wisconsin, and those teams are over them. Um, so, yeah, and yeah, it looks like I, Wisconsin's going to beat Michigan State, so that'll be another quality win. That'll be another good one for them. Uh, the Big Ten, the Big Ten just eats itself and uh, gives the, it's just like a guaranteed quality win in, in that league. And if you lose, like Purdue, what was it like two or three years ago? They were like. 16 and 13 or something and they were really high in all the metrics yeah because all their losses were good i guess because right. they were all conference losses mm-hmm. it's just like if you have 13 losses you're probably not that good of a team right but, <laughs> um yeah i mean i think that this is a good uh lesson in don't marry any one metric you know, don't, right. don't let any one metric tell the whole story, because if you use strength of record or even something like the AP poll, um, which should theoretically be kind of a combination of all this stuff, since it's a human being voting, um, probably you would think Providence is awesome. And if you only looked at Kimpom, you would be like, what? They're terrible. Right. They're, right. they're on the same level, level as North Carolina, who nobody agrees is great and mississippi state they're all because providence north carolina mississippi state and yep. nobody would think north carolina deserved a two seed Mm-mm. or a one seed or whatever strength of record has right so yeah there's you have to look a little deeper you can't just marry one metric you can't you can't expect it to tell the whole story um 
what is it? Jerry, Jerry Palm is always the one who's saying that the <laughs> committee doesn't look at Ken Palm at all, right? Yes. Wouldn't that be a mistake? I, I mean, think I, that would be a mistake. I feel like it would be. I mean, just just me thinking about it out loud. I just I tend to think that it it would be a mistake, um, and because there there should be some predictive factor to mm-hmm. all of it. Um, well, just like a per possession kind of thing, because I mean, um, you you, you want to know how good a team is, uh, how they perform, and even though wins and losses does tell the entire story, like knowing how good they are on you know like just per one hundred possessions, regardless of win and loss, losses, it tells you how good the team is. You know how because um, you can have a good le- record, and if you all all you do is win close games, there's a chance that you're just luckier than good you know right and i think that's kind of where providence is i mean you can't take away the fact that they are 20 and 2 um but also they've won almost all of their wins are really close like have they blown anybody out have they have they beaten anybody by like 15 plus that i don't think so i don't i don't believe so i don't have their schedule in front of me at the moment but i i, I don't believe that that is the case Let's see. They beat Sacred Heart by 28. Well, there's that. So, you know, you got that. Wisconsin by five. Northwestern by five. Texas Tech by four. Rhode Island by 14. I don't know if Rhode Island's not good. They're sub 100. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't think they have a top 100 Ken Palm. Yeah. Seton Hall by five. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that's a lot of all their quality wins are close. Marquette by two. Xavier by three. Um, so unless they're playing a really bad team, then right. they're not winning by much. No, so they aren't. I, yeah. So it's just very yeah. interesting. I so I guess all of this leads into well, the NCAA committee in their infinite wisdom got together and said, you know, we should try to blend these two ways of looking at teams. And so let's build our own metric. <laughs> and so they have created the net. And so if you've listened to this podcast, you know what the net is, or at least the idea of the net, which is that it's supposed to replace RPI and really give this true um, evaluation of what teams are like. So the net yeah. takes in four different considerations. They do a team value index, which is an algorithm set up to quote, reward teams who beat other good teams. This is what they consider to be the results-oriented component of the net, which is based on what happens in games uh, with an asterisk that says game results versus D1 opponents only. So, okay. Um, And then it also factors in who they play, who you play, where the game is, and who wins the game. Okay, cool. That sounds like it might be valuable. They mm-hmm. also try to factor in ah. some net efficiency, which we've already talked about as sort of a Ken Palm kind of way of looking at things. They try to be a middle ground. They do. They also factor in winning percentage. So wins versus total games played, that would be your winning percentage, which seems like they're double counting wins there in the team between the team value index and the winning per- anyway. They also include an element of adjusted win percentage. So you get a weighted value based on the location and the result. So if you win on the road, it's worth 1.4 wins. If you win at home, it's worth 0.6 wins. Hmm. If you lose at home, it's, you know, minus 1.4. So it's definitely a whole convoluted system um, that basically was created to give people headaches and they, they separate teams into quadrants, which you may have heard about. So a quad one game means that you're playing a top 30 team at home, a top 50 team on the neutral site or a top 75 team away. And quad two kind of scales it down from there. Um, And and so technically you could play the 75th best team on the road and 
have that count as a quad one win. Right. Um, so Which would be, it's the same problem as we were talking about earlier. So you could beat, you could beat um, Gonzaga on the road, or you could beat Gonzaga at home, and then you could beat, let's see, who's 75th? You could beat Creighton. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's better example Toledo. Toledo. <laughs> you could beat Toledo on the road, and they are valued the same. Yes, which just boggles the mind. You could beat Chattanooga on the road. Mm. Yeah. Furman. I mean, these are the level of teams. They're good mid-major teams within their conference. There's no way they have the elite level of talent because there isn't that much talent. I think that's sort of mm-hmm. my message here is that when you get into the top 10, top 15, what you're looking at are elite teams with elite talent. Um, and you just, there's, it's not there. So um, anyway, just quickly going through the top eight in the net, Gonzaga, Houston. So Gonzaga's one. Noted, remember in strength of record, they were ninth. Ninth. Mm-hmm. Houston is in this. Um, they were 12th, I think, in strength of record. Yep. And they're number two. Arizona, Kentucky, Purdue, Villanova, which again wasn't on the radar, mm-hmm. Auburn, and Kansas. Mm-hmm. So Auburn is all the way down at seven instead of first. Providence, nowhere near any of this stuff. Kansas kind of fitting there around the eight spot, which seems maybe like it might be right to me. Um, mm-hmm. It feels more right than having them second in strength of record. Uh, and then... Um, Looking at the other part of this uh, metric, which I think is the more efficiency, you know, possession wise with Ken Palm, their rankings, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Houston, Purdue, Baylor, Auburn and Kansas. So um, just to kind of give you a lens of where all these teams field. So if you're looking, Luke, I'll ask you which one feels like the best measure of which teams, I'm going to put it this way, not which teams deserve to be seeded as a top eight or top two seed, mm-hmm. but which which list seems like the most likely list that the national champion is going to come from that list, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Would you go with Ken Palm, strength of record, or the net? Um. That's tough. If you go with the strength of record, you're putting Providence in the conversation and eliminating Gonzaga <laughs> and Duke. If you go, Duke's with, not on any of these. I don't. Duke is think. not on any of them, which is probably a bad sign um, <laughs> for for Duke. For yes, yeah. <laughs> not uh, for the rest of America. <laughs> strength, strength of record. So it seems to me like strength of record's biggest weakness is overrating the power conference teams, and uh, it seems to me like. The the more predictive ones, they're even the net in this way. They might overrate the mid majors a little bit. Um, if I had to pick one, I would go with Ken Palm. I think Ken Palm is probably if I if I had to be like you know the top eight of one of these is going to contain the champion. There'd be a lot of um, overlap, obviously, but I, I think Ken Palm has for one thing it has more data. I mean, it's going. It's twenty years now of data, um, and you can kind of go back and see that. With with exceptions, of course, if you're a top six or seven, Kemp, almost almost all, I'd say a heavy three quarters probably of the champions before the tournament have have landed somewhere in the top ten on Kempom. I'd say I'd say that's a pretty good success rate. I don't know if I could say the same thing. I haven't looked at it uh, for the other two. The net, of course, is pretty young. It's only been used for a few years. Um, right. Strength of record, also, I don't, I don't know. It's not predictive, so it's you, you can't really say. Well, but I, I would say it probably. I, what I would say is what I would want to do is take a combination of these, pick out the ones that are top ten in all of them, you know, and kind of let that be my, uh, my pool to choose from. Right. Absolutely. I think that that is the most rational approach. 
Um, and that's probably the one that I'd like to see done by the committee, mm-hmm. which, you know, whenever they invite us into the room to watch, we would exactly. encourage them you, to do You could that. easily just combine them. I mean, couldn't you easily just do like a cumulative, let's just take these things, give the yeah. average, make a yeah. list? Like, don't you think that would be reasonable and easy? I, to yeah, do? I bet you probably could. Um, and maybe at some point we will at least do that within a top 25 kind of setting. Um mm-hmm to kind of give it a point rating. And so the lowest point wins basically. Um, so I, I don't know. I would definitely want to take a look at that. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and move forward and take a quick look at um, this idea of where the Providence as a case study. Sure. So, in Ken Palm, Providence is rate, ranked 42nd. In strength of record, they are ranked 3rd. In the net, they are ranked uh, 26th. So it almost splits okay. the difference. Yeah, so almost. They are literally all over the map in terms of mm-hmm. where they should be. Jerry Palm thinks they are a 2 seed, I think. Uh, at some point, maybe he even had them as a 1 seed. Um, I don't think he's gotten him as a one seed yet. Okay, he's got he's got he had Wisconsin there. He, oh, that's right, a, that's a right, that's back, right. So. Yeah, and, and I I remember it was something crazy. Somehow Kansas, so. somehow Kansas is a one seed of his right now. I guess that's a little more defensible, but yeah, not that much. I don't know. Right, um, because you know strength of record <laughs> has yeah, them as right. as the second best team. Um, so anyway, and 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 Jerry Palm actually mentioned in his last article when he did his latest bracketology that strength of record is what he's looking at as a key driving factor when he's putting together his bracket. So, but let's talk about Providence. So when we're looking at Providence, it's just a matter of what do you actually see with this team? Um, I tried to watch a little bit of the game film, didn't get quite as much into it as I wanted to. So it's not like I've done a full review, Mm -hmm. but what I have seen from a results perspective is some pretty big losses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you even mentioned they didn't win any top 100 games by more than 10 points. I think they beat right. Vermont by 10 uh, and St. John's by 10. And I think that's it. So, uh, you know, they're winning a lot of close games. Um, they got blown out in their two losses. So, so what are they as a team? Um, they, play a very slow pace, which does tend to lend itself towards closer games, right? You mm-hmm. just have fewer possessions. The other big thing that I noticed is there is a humongous discrepancy in their free throw to field goal ratio, um, both from an offensive and defensive standpoint. They are 13th in the country in drawing fouls, Um based per, you know, ratio of free throws versus field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that's 39.5. Defensively, they're only giving up 23.2, um, which is just, it's a very low percentage. Yep. Um, and, and so that differential is really high. Um, and it's something that is not really dependent upon the skill of your team, <laughs> but mm-hmm. more so the ability to draw fouls. Um, their guard play with Bynum, um, who can draw fouls, Al Durham uh, draws 5.8 fouls per 40 minutes, um, and Nate Watson who draws almost five fouls per 40 minutes. That is sort of where they are generating a ton of their offense. Um, And so that really does lend itself to a style that if you're playing a defensive minded team and you aren't getting the calls, it makes it just a little bit harder. So if that is the case, um, it just makes it tricky when um, you're playing really good defensive teams. The two teams that they lost to, Virginia and yeah. Marquette. Um, Marquette being a more pressing team, Virginia plays pack line, um, 
And so that kind of explains that element. Um, they aren't great at generating extra possessions from a defensive standpoint. Um, 17.0. It really uh, doesn't. They're really not elite in anything other than free throw to field goal attempt ratio. Like 50% field, effective field goal, 34 from three. You know, um, seventy-four from free throws. That, that, like you, you see here, and where what we're looking at is Ken Palm, and it's kind of color coded. Green means good. If it's just like white, it's just like average. Mm-hmm. And then like the dark blue, I guess the darker the blue is, the worse it is, and then it gets to red. Like there's a lot of just like white. yeah a lot of middle of the road Uh you know and so i when i found their numbers for free throw rate and that differential and that's just sort of what we're looking at um i I wanted to kind of hone in who else is kind of fitting this mold um because i I just found it very interesting Mm -hmm. wyoming (laughs) uh which is a pretty good team um but the you know metrics love them they are, uh, their free throw rate is 40.7 offensively, 23.6 defensively. So they have a very similar number to Providence. Um, I tried to see some other, other teams that are in that neighborhood. Here's one that uh, it doesn't help them because they're so terrible and everything else. But Georgia <laughs> has a free yeah. throw rate of 39.7. There's not a good a lot of good teams on this list. There aren't. There really, really aren't. When I kind of went up and down, uh, some names you might know. Um, you know, Florida's is eh, it's okay. I mean, when Pitt. you yeah, when you kind of compare the foul rate that they draw versus the foul rate that they give up, you know, if it ends up if you draw a lot of fouls but you also give up a lot of fouls, it doesn't really matter um, mm-hmm. because it ends up being a wash. You just foul a lot and you play sloppy games, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, just not a lot of teams sort of in that realm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, they're going to wind up at the high seed unless they like lose every game for the rest of the season. And the season's coming to a close in a couple weeks. So, I mean, chances are they're going to be at least a top five seed based on the metrics, based on strength of record and all the stuff the committee uses and wins and losses and just look at their record. But I would be really skeptical to pick them to do anything just because what you're saying, their best, their best stat is one that you really can't, it's really up to the refs, you know, (laughs) like you, you could get into a, a game where they don't call the fouls they normally do. And then you wind up losing, um, early. So, uh, I, I think a, be, a better strategy in basketball will be good at the things you can control mm-hmm. instead of the things that are kind of out of your hands. Right. And so, I mean, as good as those press Virginia teams were, their uh, style of play with Huggins uh, very much was dictated based upon the uh, the amount of fouls that were called um, and how they sort of um, got the whistle during their games. And ultimately, they tapped out in the Sweet 16, both of the years yeah. that they really fully implemented Press Virginia. I Which, one of those think, years, they were against a historically great team. I mean... Yes, you know, they were. And they trash-talked before that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is good for them. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, that is definitely part of it. Um, but the other elements... Uh, surrounding, you know, basing your style of play and and your method of winning based upon how good, yeah, how well you get the whistle. It just it it's not the best game plan. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's not a winning recipe, as they would say. Um, so, with that being said, uh, we've talked a lot about providence and resumes and. Ken Palm predictive models and and all that stuff. Let's uh, let's look at some some media stuff and let's dive in a little bit. We're gonna stay in the Ken Palm theme today. Ken Palm Roy, thank you for all the content that you're generating for us. Yes. Um, but today or tonight, we're gonna take a look at uh, an article by Kentucky 
Sports Radio. Yeah. You want me to talk about it? Absolutely. Okay. So I guess, I don't know if it came out earlier today. I'm trying to find it again. I didn't have it bookmarked. Um, There's a writer on KSR. So Kentucky Sports Radio, tremendous, tremendous radio show. I used to really enjoy the uh, website. Now it's just kind of a whole lot of stuff I don't really feel like reading. Uh, No offense. I mean, they're Kentucky. I, I, I actually, Matt Jones grew up probably 10 miles from where I grew up, so. No, uh, no bad feelings or thoughts towards them. But um, they came up with an article, and the author of the article, I'm trying to find it so I can actually give him credit. Um, <laughs> I don't know why if Why is it so hard to find this, uh, this article? <laughs> uh, well, this is good. The, this is the, good podcasting. It right is. Here. Well, the gist of, of the article is that um, the way that you win titles is being in the top 10 and Ken Palm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so really the, the gist of this, and it was kind of a aggregated piece kind of deal where they put a lot of different parts into this. I just found in, it into this post, but basically the premise was since 2010, every title winner, except the two UConn teams and last year's Baylor squad, which let's just go ahead and point out the obvious. That's roughly 30% of the winners. <laughs> yeah. Um, shared the same analytical quality, ranking in the top 15 in the country's Ken Palm top offensive and defensive efficiencies meant that you're going to be there. Yeah. So basically, I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, like Brasson said, the, the, the theory was, oh, just any team, you look at the teams who rank in the top 15 in offense and defense on Ken Palm, and there you have your list of champions. It's going to come from that list. Oh, except for the thirty percent of the time that except, it doesn't. Sixty percent of the time, which you know, or if you can pick the champion sixty-six percent of the time, you're doing really well. Yeah. But um, but for a couple things. First of all, he went back to 2010, which doesn't make any sense because you could go back further if you wanted to. Unless he, unless that North Carolina in 2009 team didn't. I don't think they were top 15 in defense. Um, even after the tournament, but the the biggest the fundamental flaw with this is that this author did not <laughs> did not look at the pre-tournament numbers, okay? And and the reason, and you, you can easily do it on Kempom if you have a subscription. Um, you, you click on the year, and it, right underneath it, it says it has data, it's final and pre-tourney. You can click on pre-tourney, it gives you a nice spreadsheet with all the information. Um, and if you look at that information, you will notice that more than those three times the champion fell outside of the top 15 in one of those two categories probably most of the time so for example 2011 2011 UConn uh, I think they were 25th in offense um, going into the tournament um, Louisville their offense definitely wasn't seventh in the country when the tournament started UConn in 2014 they were actually like 50th or worse, I think, in offense at the time. They had really good defense, though. 2015 Duke was 37th in defense going into the tournament. Now, why is that important? Well, for one thing, if you're using this information to pick your champion, um, you're going to need to use the pre-tournament numbers because the tournament hasn't happened yet. You know, <laughs> like, you, you can't... If I could go back into the future, if I go into the future and see what their stats were, I'd just pick the team, forget the, forget the stats, you know. But on another uh, level, it's it, that when they play, when a team wins six in a row to win the national championship, their numbers are going to go up. For one thing, half over half the country isn't playing anymore. And every game you win, you know, that number cuts in half. So it becomes a little bit easier to move up the rankings when you have more games. But just based on what we said earlier about Ken Palm's uh, you know his method when once you have more possessions of games that you've won behind you you're obviously going to be higher up the list than uh, you would have been otherwise so it's just a fundamental flaw yeah it would be really nice if you could just narrow it down to five teams every single year and be <laughs> like oh yeah it's going to be one of these no problem um, but if you want to do that first of all you're going to be have to be okay with with being wrong sometimes and second of all, it, you're going to have to use more criteria 
um, to yeah. get a reasonable list. For, uh, by the way, Baylor last year, Baylor, I, I feel like last year was an anomaly in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Baylor going into the tournament was like 41st, I think, in defense. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, they they had like a COVID pause towards the end of the year yep. for a while, and then they came back and they were obviously rusty. Mm-hmm. And then their ba- their defense like crushed everybody in the tournament. So it's really hard to judge that on last year, I think, um, just because that number was really low. But uh, when they played like earlier in the season, their number was I think it was like in the teens or twenties most of the season, and then all of a sudden it fell off a cliff. Um, right after that COVID break, but yeah, I mean I, I see a lot of this stuff. People uh, usually when people use Ken Palm to try to figure out a way to identify the champion. Um, almost every time I see it, they're using post tournament numbers, and that's just that's just not. I it's mean, lazy. It's lazy. It's lazy. It is lazy, <laughs> um, and it's it's not going to work. It's just you're going to be wrong. You know, there's going to be teams that are um, not part of your list that are going to be serious contenders. And you're probably going to be wrong more than you are correct. So, Right. Um, I um, think that in this, we go back to your list of criteria for teams. Mm-hmm. That um, I spent way too much time on. Way too much time on. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I'm looking at that list, uh, it's there are more cri- more pieces of criteria but they are also um, more lenient. So it, you're, we're not looking yeah. just for top 15. So um, no, to, to, gonna... to recap your list um, for you, I know you already know and have committed to memory, but for those of you who may I not have, have read the I blog, have committed to memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> the team must be a top three seed, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. The team must have 25 plus wins. Uh, which again, now, let me, let me say for one thing, every single one of these has an exception, <laughs> you know, like they all have an exception that the, 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 the thought is, is that, okay, if it happens twice in 30 years, then the whole point of this is to try to figure out who's going to win. Right. Right. So like, you're not going to get it every single time. So you're just trying to do, have the best odds of, of narrowing it down to the, to the best you possibly can. That's the that's the idea behind it, right? Um, so uh, again, the team must be a top three seed. They must have twenty five plus wins, which in the era of COVID is more mm. difficult with schedule changes and things of that nature. The team's coach must have been to at least one elite eight previously. Again, um, a, a factor that a lot of people don't think about. Um, the team must shoot 33% or better on three-point field goals uh, rounded. Um, That's which... the closest to a must as <laughs> as you got on here. Because the only exception to that that I found since 1990 was <laughs> Louisville in 2013, and they shot 32.9%. So if you round it up, then that, it, that's, that I mean, fits the rule. Yeah, that's pretty much the same thing. Um. And it kind of makes you wonder about that UK team in 2010, but we won't talk about that. Yeah. Well, uh, Duke, 2019 Duke, they only shot like 31%. Yeah. They didn't even make the final four. Right, right. Again, this kind of helps find busts too. Mm -hmm. Um, Team must be a conference champion, regular or tournament. Um, And that, that actually makes a ton of sense because if you didn't win anything during the season what makes you think that you're going to win everything <laughs> when it comes right. to, you know, if you couldn't even be the best of 12 teams, what makes you think that you're going to be the best of 300? The only exception to that rule in the past 20 years has been 2015 Duke. Really? They didn't mm-hmm. win the ACC that year. They didn't win either the ACC or the tournament, which they were only like one game out of first and in, in the conference, but and they probably made it to the championship game in the tournament. And you know, so yeah, probably it's, I it's, think they lost to Notre Dame that year oh. in, the, in the title <laughs> of game. Course. Of course. Um, and again, some of that is fluky um, because tournaments are fluky by nature mm-hmm. with one game sample sizes. 
uh, mattering a lot more, but also you get the, the benefit of regular season domination. So there is that. And then your mm-hmm. Kempom thresholds are top 25 adjusted efficiency margin, which is sort of subtracting offense from or defense from offense of numbers. Um, so top 25 there overall, basically mm-hmm. top 25 offense and a top 37 defense. Yeah. So the reason I said 37, so people always round up, right? <laughs> right. But why? Because <laughs> that the lowest, that the highest ranked defense that ever won a championship, it, it was twice and it was 37. So I was like, I could round up to 40, but why don't I just keep it at 37? I mean, it's basically an arbitrary number anyway. So just make it a little more specific. um, Specific. (laughs) And like I said, Baylor wasn't that last year, but I think you can kind of, like, I I would just throw out last year completely. Um, Although although I will say to the two teams last year that did meet the six criteria were Mm -hmm. Gonzaga and Houston. They were the only ones last year that met it. Um, and Baylor met five. That was the only one they didn't meet. So, um, and those are three of your final four teams. And if you have some way of picking out teams like UCLA that will go from the first four to the final four, then you're just a genius and you probably are rich off gambling money. (laughs) Right. And you aren't listening to us. So uh, for gambling advice, but, um, I just want to bring up your numbers because I just think that that, that matters. Um, and you've done way more homework on it than the, than anyone else that I know, which is why we are doing this more than Alex Weber. Sorry, Alex. Um, it's and, a good, tr- good start. Good yeah. start, but you need to look a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Need to, need to get that, um, 201, uh, college analytics yep. course. Um, but I, with that, I think, um, I'm just ready to watch some games. I think, Providence Villanova will happen the next time we record. I think they play next Tuesday. That's one I'm really interested. They haven't played Nova Mm -hmm. yet. That will be a true elite test for Providence. And if they pass it and they're able to win, I think that is really interesting. Um, If they lose, that's kind of what I'm expecting, but I will be more interested to see how the numbers treat that loss. Do you want to know who uh, is, uh, meets the criteria right now? If you've got that handy. Now, this is still theoretical because you don't know who's going to be top three seed. You're, it's a lot cl- more clear now who has a chance to win 25 games. Um, and really the only team of, that's relevant that's been affected by that this year so far is is uh, UCLA. Right. And Gonzaga a little bit, but they always play a, little, a few less games and Everybody else. Um, Three-point shooting at this point is pretty much, you know, you are what you are. So we've got Baylor, Duke, Gonzaga. No Auburn. Auburn was on the list. They've fallen off. (laughs) Three-point shooting going down the tubes. Okay, so Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke. UK, UCLA, Houston. That's it. And this is assuming that these teams also win either their conference or their conference championship too. And if if it, if it, if teams tie, you count you count it, you give both of them credit. So hmm. it's possible to have more than two. You know, right? Like there could be a three way tie. You just got to give them all credit. Um. Or you could just have one. You could have the same. Like Gonzaga is probably going to be the only WCC team to be able to say they're a conference champion this year. Yeah. Um, UCLA, to me, is probably the one that I worry about meeting the seeding criteria. Um, yeah. I Bay- Auburn, too. Or not yeah. Auburn. Um, Houston. Sorry. I said Auburn. Well, maybe Auburn after tonight since they have lost. They just <laughs> lost. Um, but, yeah, I... You know, some of these I think are going to be interesting to see sort of where the seeds line out and also sort of how this regular season conference title um, title races uh, wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. I think that will impact some of this as well. But um, one last thing about the Kim Palm stuff. I think of all six of those that you named that mm-hmm. I've listed, 
I think the Ken problem is probably the one with the most exceptions. Yeah. Um, out of all of them. So that's just to say, don't base your champion on the Kempom numbers. I think the other numbers are probably, I mean, they're, it's very helpful, but, um, uh, to me and, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm kind of coming at this from the lens of a old school basketball guy. Um, because my high school coach who is actually coaching the East, uh, McDonald's all Americans in Chicago. Um, and he's pretty old and he's earned the right. Uh, Tom Bosley um, was very much in the, he loved Bob Knight. That was his favorite coach. Uh, kind of mimicked everything sort of off of his style and how he, anyway. So I get a lot of the old school understanding of the game. And the one thing that he talked a lot about was contrast, contrasting styles. Um, mm. And that is the one thing that I think, um, Ken Palm doesn't really take into account. It doesn't yeah. take into account, okay, well, they're this efficient when they play against the zone. They're this efficient when they're pressed. They're this efficient when they're trapped, you know, and this mm-hmm. this efficient when they're playing man. It's assuming that the defense doesn't matter, even though, yes, I played one bad game against zone. I played every other game against man and was amazing. So it doesn't factor that into play. But when you're playing a one-game tournament, you know, basically every weekend or every night, um, it changes mm-hmm. who you got, who you're matched up against, you know? Uh, yeah, we dominated our league because, um, Chet Holmgren seven foot tall and the next tallest person, um, of any, you know, caliber in our league is six foot nine. Uh, yeah, that helps the, the other times that we've played people that are six eleven, you know? So again, there are a lot of matchups that, can dictate sort of how a game goes and flows. Um, and while Ken Palm is really predictive in general, it doesn't always take into account all of the quirks of a team. Um, you know, like for example, it always, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like it always underestimates um, teams like, say, Syracuse, that always runs a 2 3 zone because teams gear up, they know what they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, in conference play, they've played it a million times. Um, but in a one-game scenario, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit harder. You've got to adjust. You're not used to seeing the 2-3. And that's um, why it, Syracuse is always in the Sweet 16 every time they go to the <laughs> tournament, even if they're terrible. Yes. So I think it's that kind of stuff that's missing in Ken Palm. And so mm-hmm. t- to... Context, to, basically. Yes, to your point and mine, context matters um, because these matchups do matter. Um, ultimately there are 10 human beings on the floor plus three, which we call referees humans. Um, mm, and depends on, <laughs> depends on which ones. Doug sermons. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think that that's sort of where you're at when you're looking at some of these numbers and trying to put it into context. And I guess that's kind of what this episode was all about. <laughs> I guess so. Context. Can yes. I, uh, can I give you a little, uh, Purdue thought? Sure, we'll Purdue make this con- the final it's really word. A, it's really a Purdue concern. Okay. <laughs> so being the giant geek that I am, I went back and I looked at um, teams that have come in with um, sub-60 Ken Palm rankings in either adjusted offense or adjusted defense. I think I've mentioned this before on the pod. But um, teams that are ranked in – teams that have a top-five seed, uh, but uh, – have, or 60th or worse in adjusted D or adjusted O. Um, I was looking at for Kim, for uh, for um, Purdue's sake. So since 2002, which is all the Kim Palm data we have, if you're a one seed, one seeds um, have. Oh, I did the wrong thing. One seeds. I think there's only been a handful, like two or three, um, one seeds that have had been sub 60 in one of these things. And one of them was 2009 Louisville who made their lead eight. That's good. Okay. Um, 2005 Washington got beat by Louisville in the sweet 16. And um, uh, Xavier in 2018, who lost to Florida state in the second round, but they were actually 59th, but I mean, that's basically 60th, you know? So, right. Um, 
So they, so the ceiling for those was Elite Eight. Elite Eight, Sweet, sweet 16. You know, that's good. That's pretty good. Two seeds, <laughs> which I think Purdue is projected at, by a lot of people as a two seed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had 2005 Wake, lost in the second round. Yes, I remember that one well. <laughs> 2010 Villanova, lost in the, to the second round. Yes. 2011 Notre Dame, lost in the second round. 2012 Duke and 2012 Missouri both lost to 15 seeds. Um, these are all people. Like Mizzou had the number one offense and the 80th defense. Their defense is better than Purdue's. It was better <laughs> than Purdue's that year. Um, 2013 Georgetown, they had a terrible offense and a good defense. They lost to a 15 seed, Dunk City. 2021 Ohio State lost to a 15 seed. Every, <laughs> every 15 seed... To beat a two seed since Ken Palm was invented, was established, has been, had a great offense and a terrible defense. Every single two seed, except Michigan State in 2016. That was just what the heck happened in that game. I don't know. But 2014, Michigan made the Elite Eight, lost to Kentucky, who was an eight seed. So uh, the, the, it, it's a lot happier if you look at the three seed. It's still bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's a lot. You see a lot more Sweet Sixteens, a couple of Elite Eights, even a Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, for um, Marquette and Tom Crean and Dwayne Wade and Dwayne Wade. But so my theory is, Purdue, aim for the three seed. If you're not going to play defense, aim for the three. Really, you got don't a play defense. Chance. You you can at least. I mean, you might lose to the fourteen. But you also could maybe, you know, you could you, do you have Dwayne Wade on your team? Can you have him give you guys a pep talk? Because we you, talked you about have a this. Chance. I think that they might. And now if they do, I think that's kind of their ceiling. Now, you remember what happened to that Marquette team, right? Yes. <laughs> they got beat by like 45 by Kansas in the final four. But, yeah. you know, the final four, Purdue's never, has Purdue ever been? Uh, surely they have. I don't know. Maybe they have. Gene Cady probably took them to one. Um, so Purdue fans, this isn't me being hateful, okay? There's a reason I hadn't liked your team all year, and this is why. So please get a three seed. Don't get a four or a five. If you're not going to get a three, just drop to like a ten. <laughs> because <laughs> it seems to be a good thing when you're a lower seed to be elite in one thing and terrible at the other. So Yeah. Um, that's my that's my Purdue thought, and you know, good luck to them getting that three seed so they can make the Sweet Sixteen and not lose to a fifteen in the first round. It, it does make me worry. Um, it's just it's very weird their their team construction. Um, I think it's because they play. If you look at their numbers, it's because they don't get turnovers, they don't generate mm-hmm. possessions, and in fact. Even though they have the number one offense, they lose the turnover battle on average, um, according to Ken Palm, um, which is just crazy to me <laughs> that, that, that that is the case. But it is. Um, and it's not like their turnover percentage is that bad. Um, I think that um, they're ranked in the top 25 in, in terms of offensive. They, or they're, they're 57th, um, which isn't bad. I mean, that's pretty good. It's shaded lightly green mm-hmm. in Ken Palm. But the fact that they are 341st <laughs> in turnovers generated is what yeah. pulls down their efficiency. And it's They're because they they just they just basically play, all right, well, you can get whatever shot you'd like. We will go get the rebound because they mm-hmm. are pretty good at rebounding the ball. Um, they are they give up the 15th fewest offensive rebounds on a rate basis um and so you know that's not bad that's not a bad idea when you have zach eddy and trayvon williams and but i just i don't know well what's crazy is last year they finished after they after the tournament they finished 34th in defense so what the heck yeah they're 108th i don't know that's bad it's bad purdue do better your Dude. offense is awesome for yes. your fans' sake. Let them root for you to make a Final Four and don't get beat by a 15 seed for the love, please. Yes, <laughs> please. 
Uh, I've been riding your train a really long time, so I'd really like to see you, you know, make it. Um, well, I think for me that wraps up everything. Uh, yeah, Luke, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> all of the insight on Ken Palm, on all of the measures, looking at resumes, looking at all the rankings. I feel like, uh, you know, we we wanted this podcast to be a nerd focused podcast, and I don't oh, think that we've nerdy nerded one. harder than this one. <laughs> this is definitely the most nerd that we have nerded <laughs> in all 12 episodes. Yes. So anyway, thank you, Luke, for the conversation. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can never study the game enough. <laughs>